Hey, buddy. Oh, hey, what's up? Thanks yeah. for sticking around. Not, no problem. It's my, it's my pleasure. When do you feel like your coffee kicks in in the morning? Like, what, how do you do your regimen? I've been thinking about this, and I, I, yeah. thought, I thought about the... I thought about what my plan might be when I first started doing the morning show, and in, yeah. in practice, it's been very different. I thought, there's no way I can, one, wake up at 4 o'clock, mm-hmm. two, get through a three-hour radio program <laughs> on just one cup of coffee. But oh, that is what, one, eh? that's what I do. See, I needed a special little treat in the middle of the show. Like, I needed something to look forward to. I mean, people, you tell me, listener, if maybe a second cup of coffee would be better for, like, the 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock hour. Can I make a suggestion? What? For the days you do the good hour. Do another cup of coffee? (laughs) I thought you liked how I was kind of loopy for the the fourth hour of radio. No, last time. Sometimes I do. I think last time. We spun ourselves into... I thought nothing. that was good. I know, but that's the thing about being high is you're always like, I'm so creative. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm so creative. And I you will go back say, and you read it. I feel like I laugh a lot in this yeah. hour. Like, maybe too much. Nah, I need to tone that one down, but that's part of, like, that's definitely part of the loopiness. I just picture you now trying not to laugh constantly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, you're a kid getting in mm, trouble in high school. Uh, yeah, or William Nylander as Sheldon keeps screaming at the rest of your team. Yeah. Like, not, it's not funny. Yeah, but I actually do think that he thinks that's funny. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Who wouldn't? He's yeah. like, he's obviously not yelling at me. Have you seen what I've done? And you've seen the amount <sighs> of money I'm going to make at the end of this season? Dude, it's so funny how things have turned with William Nylander in yes. terms of just this one thing. If you look at the four guys, mm-hmm. and two years ago, you had to say, which one of these dudes is the least suited to play here? People would have said, well, it's William Nylander. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And now it just, it's been... Because he's Manny Ramirez now. Yeah, but that's it. I, I think it, that's been... Is it bore out? What? See, is bore out? Is that what you say? That bears out? Like, how do you say I, that? What are you saying? Oh, no, no. I thought that you I say... I thought like, you were having like, no, 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 a, an aneurysm. No, no. <laughs> no. Well, I, I was like, are we speaking is, the same language? I thought the saying is, and that bore out, as in... Like, oh, it, it bore out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. It bears out, it bore out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, it always Holy feels wrong cow. to say... <laughs> Yeah, it definitely out of your mouth. Well, that's because I didn't sell it with any was, confidence. Hey, that's... I was like, spore yeah. out? What's his, his spores are but out? Just, no, just how this dude, he doesn't care. He doesn't seem phased. Yes. And he's a freak, and he's the number one yes. guy. If you were going to tell me today mm-hmm. which one of these guys is most suited to play in the market, it's him. Mm-hmm. Because Matthews, I think, has the same I don't care factor. But his goes... The way that I think Nylanders was perceived to go mm-hmm. sometimes where, yeah, you show up in the shot attempts in the first period of a big game or 0-15, as you pointed out on Twitter the other night, and you go, <laughs> I think some of that, can we say that some of it is effort? Can we just say yeah. maybe three of those shot attempts against maybe four, yeah. two? Where, where is the line of where we can settle? Anyway, I don't want to talk about the Leafs with you today because enough, 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 enough. Although I do have a kind of Leafs-adjacent topic for you okay. today. Um, but yeah, my coffee regimen, I have more than you. I, everybody has more than me. That's I will wild. say I have a very sensitive tummy, oh, yeah, tummy. When, it, I will, okay. when it comes to coffee. To me, I, I'm just in a, I'm always in a bind because all my worlds collide, which is I like to show up here as close to the show as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always pushing it. They're every single day, mm-hmm. um, I oh, keep... Because you think you're Bob McCowan. You're like, I'll just be... I'll do the Bob McCowan thing. That you... That's... That's not it at all. <laughs> I do not think that. Okay? <laughs> People listening, you yeah. just put on the sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I will say 
is no, it's because I feel like I want to have my energy to start the show. And it's hard for me not to talk to the guys before the show about the stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're excited. I'm excited. I like seeing them. I want to talk to them about things. And then all of a sudden I've given a little bit of the, I've given a little too much. Mm-hmm. So I like to cut it close. Mm-hmm. And you are, I'm, you're like Donald Trump. You're a battery. You can't. You, yeah. <laughs> no, it's more, There's you a know, finite how it is. amount of energy. Dude, you know how it is. Sometimes it sucks with our friendship because we start doing something on the phone that is mm-hmm. funny. And then I go, shut up, shut up, shut up. We can't do this anymore. We have to say this for the show. And then we do it here and it kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, oh, I probably would have been better on the phone with swears and whatever. Yeah, uh, well, whatever else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Exactly. It would have been better. Swears. But I just, I feel like I'm never, I'm in a, jam right now where I can never get my second coffee started up, but my first coffee is kind of a light one. Mm. And so I feel sort of brain dead whenever I start these ones. You know what I, my problem is, uh-huh. is that, Oh, what a, yeah. What my coffee problem is. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> is like, yeah. Okay. Not being caffeinated enough is a problem, but Overly not caffeinated is the worst is yeah. I've yeah. done that. Yeah. And being on air with that is oh, a nightmare torture chamber. My God. Yeah. Yeah. So, you really need to, if you're going to go, if I'm going to go, yeah. because I know my limit, and it, it is around like two large cups of coffee. Like if I have that, yeah, we're, there'll be times where I, I'll have two cups in not rapid succession, but like over the course of even four hours, and that'll mm. be too much. And I'll get into that place. That's, I, I'm, I'm, I'll just be honest. I'm afraid. Yeah, me too. I get the same fear. <laughs> the same fear. Oh no, it's all ending right now, live on air. Do you remember those? All the sweat yeah, starts pouring uh, down your face. Dude, do you remember there was early YouTube days when it was just when it was just the good times, the good times of YouTube when it was Grape Lady, right? Oh yeah, the, stomping on the, stomp the grapes. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there was also the reporter that just passed out on air. I don't know yeah. if I remember that one. I just that's the fear. That's just the passing out. Yeah, when I'm overly caffeinated, all of a sudden I'm just, oh my God, I'm that oh, reporter to me, on there. I went, there was an, another clip of a reporter who's like, looks like there's just speaking in tongues and it's just gibberish coming yeah, out. No, like, I've seen that one too. No, yeah. I didn't, okay, you know what? We got to move off this. This is giving me too much anxiety. As soon as you said it, I wanted to. to <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing too much. All right, that's enough. That's enough of these topics. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, we never have those anxieties on air. I love when people ask me a question. You ever get nervous? Oh, the time yeah all the time uh, all the time i'm not anyway. nervous now though yeah of course not um okay so it's your show i think that there's some trickle down excitement happening trickling it's trickling down i think the baseball world is believing in the blue jays a little bit more right it's still a long shot mm-hmm. it's still a long shot but there seem to be fewer teams that have a long shot at shohei which some has to, by my dumb guy math, mm-hmm. less teams equals more chance for the Jays, right? Yeah. Like the fact that they're not out of it, out of it, when some of these other teams potentially are. You know what was the biggest, man, we're, we're all just clinging to anything. Hope. Hope. Like, but, but also no, but, like the scraps of information. Well, this From is the it. best insiders in the sport, and mm-hmm. baseball has so many great insiders. And mm-hmm. uh, we're so lucky in this city that yeah. some of them work for Sportsnet, right? Yeah. I had one of them on, on my radio program, okay. Ben Nicholson-Smith. Yeah. He gave me the, the biggest nugget, honestly, that I'm, I have received in the last so couple of days. So you two guys are putting us at risk of not getting show. Hey, good to know. Yeah. I've been, <laughs> I've been refraining. He didn't report anything, yeah. but here's what... So this is mm. informed speculation mm. between yeah, okay. he and another unknown, unnamed executive. What he, what, he, what he said was this person doesn't work for 
the Dodgers doesn't work for the Blue Jays. It was mm-hmm. a baseball executive, and the executive asked him, hey, would you take the Dodgers or the field for Shohei and Ben? Maybe, hope, like, in, 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 the, uh, in the vein of hope, said mm-hmm. the field. And the other executive said, I agree. Which to me is, I saw at last check, what the the Dodgers were plus 200 to land Shohei Otani. Mm -hmm. If it's not the Dodgers, so then you eliminate the whole Pacific Coast, warm weather, California thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, what separates, honestly, the Blue Jays from any of those other contenders unless, okay, I, I get it. Like, there's obvious things that separate them, but... No, then then it's a total like if you just the Dodgers is the one thing that had me thinking, well, this isn't a real possibility. Because mm-hmm. not only does he get to stay in California, he gets all the money and he gets the team that actually wins, not the Blue Jays who are like hoping against hope they can win. And they won 89 games, and I know it hasn't happened in the postseason, but every year it's a hundred wins. And they do, I know it was a weird title. They won one in, in 2020. Like the Dodgers are the franchise. If you eliminate the Dodgers, yeah, n- n- then you really got me. Yeah, the sports book I use still has the Jays as sixth. Okay. Behind, Behind Dodgers, Cubs. There's been a little bit of Cubs buzz in the sure. last 24 hours. The Giants, the Yankees, the Mets. The Rangers, shockingly, have seemed to be the team that's dropped out of this thing. Yeah. But, okay, here's, here's, my, here's my thought on it. It's trickle-down excitement, but I do think that it, it comes from stuff like that, where maybe, just maybe, he's not as sold on the Dodgers as originally anticipated and that's being interpreted as like everybody has a chance right Mm -hmm. and so blue jays fans being one of these markets like i'd love to sit in with baseball fans in other places right now like i if you're in a room with a cubs fan are they having the same conversations where they're like exactly this Mm -hmm. we're obviously not getting them but how crazy would it be Mm -hmm. if we did and i don't think it's gonna happen but here's what i'm kind of thinking and blah 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 Mm -hmm. i feel like that's probably pretty prevalent around baseball right now amongst the fans that are following the Shohei sweepstakes but either way I've just I've noticed the uptick on social media I know that's Mm -hmm. not everything um and I've noticed the uptick amongst the baseball people that I like to talk to in terms of their real feeling as though the Jays are still in this I think that you can't dismiss the past and stuff but ultimately this is a little bit like Raptors rumors right in the past couple years Mm -hmm. where we know there's a cone of silence around Masai Ujiri Bobby Webster and it's really hard to crack that Shohei's whole thing is secrecy, yeah. secrecy, secrecy. And how many people are in his camp that would dare go against him? No. Right? Nobody. And if you're one of these organizations and you also know that any type of information leak could hurt you where there's these small, small percentages, I got to think that a lot of the information that we're getting is coming from those, like, executives that are trying to read the tea leaves on yeah, the outside. Yeah, no, nobody knows. Yeah, but, yeah. like, you know who might know better than me is, like, somebody that works in a Major League Baseball front office, right? Or is, like, in yeah, closer like, proximity. 100%. Like, that's what I'm, I'm, like, going through three intermediaries No, but that's it. Here. All I'm trying to say is, is that it, it's, it's hard for me to really buy into some of the excitement uh-huh. when I go, where is this coming from? There's no way that Shohei Otani has a guy in his entourage who's, like, I got uh, Jeff Passan's number. I'm just shooting him a text. Uh, like, you know who the dude who has been really plugged in on him is, is Jim Bowden. Mm-hmm. Jim Bowden has had really good insight into this guy from essentially going back to when he was still playing in Japan. He originally picked the Rangers. Like, when he came on here, he said, don't be surprised if the Rangers are in it. And all of a sudden, the Rangers were really in it. And I went, oh, my God, Jim Bowden. He knew it all along. And now, all of a sudden, the Rangers are potentially out. So, I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't know what to believe with this stuff. Do you... Do you have a feeling one way or another whether this is like, is this laudable the way that Shohei Otani does it, that, that he's doing business, the way that he exists? I, was, I, I didn't realize that 
Like the name of his dog is a mystery. Like people saw the dog. They don't know his name. He won't release the, the name of the dog. Like this I don't is know if it's laudable, but I don't know why it's you know something to criticize. I certainly wouldn't go. Oh, this guy likes privacy when he's one of probably the most famous people in Japan. <laughs> like how many more people are more famous than him in Japan? Yeah, probably nobody and, and in so, Japan. Yeah, and so he probably wants to have some peace in his life, and he doesn't like that people know his business. Who does? Uh-huh. Like. I don't know. But here's what's not going to happen, right? Like he's, he, and it, here's what hasn't happened. He's pretty and, badass. And here's what Nobody knows your dog's name is actually pretty badass. Yeah, here's like he takes I, it I, to the, no, he takes to the dog park and there's some baseball reporter there wearing a disguise <laughs> who, who also brings a dog. I heard a rumor from yeah. producer Jeff has a party okay. that the well, dog. Well, then it must be true. Then the, that, or there's an internet rumor that the dog we saw at the MVP uh, media availability or the, okay. the whatever he had was a fake dog because oh. his, people have seen him in the wild with his real dog and it has spots and the one that was in the video doesn't have spots. Okay. I would just say what you're never going to get out of him yeah. and that what you don't need because he does it on name recognition alone and the the things that he d- does on the baseball field that nobody else can do is like we're not going to have the man Mike Trout is the face of baseball but he doesn't do enough to sell the game. Well, guess what? Who there's one person that does it less and it's it's Shohei Otani. You're just never going to get that from him. He has to sell the game on just being Shohei Otani. Yeah. Um so I, I do I feel as though again, most of this is anecdotal. Most of this is just uh, observations I'm seeing on Twitter. How much? How often he's trending? How often the Blue Jays are trending? I know that some of these algorithms are geared towards the like the things that you you look at. So there's that. The mm-hmm. the, the people that I know, the people that I'm just trying the to Vegas th- odds. Are you buying into that too? Somewhat, because but the- they fluctuate so much now that I again. But it I, was like plus a thousand not that long ago. It's it's under that now, right? Sure, sure, sure. It's it's plus nine hundred. So yeah. I wouldn't say yeah. All but. Right. Yeah, it's, it's moving. Pl- yeah, it's plus 900, but the Mets and the Yankees are both plus 700. The Giants are plus 600. The Cubs are plus 380. And the Dodgers, depending on the book, are plus 100 or plus 200. Mm-hmm. There's somewhere in between there. Point is, I feel like the pressure has now ramped up to get Shohei a little bit more because what else are the Blue Jays going to do? Oh, that's, 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 that's the that's major thing. Point. Yeah, is just you keep looking at it and saying, boy, he's a cure-all to everything. If he shows up at the ballpark, you have this incredible offensive piece that is designed to basically hit here, right? Who could theoretically enter the rotation the following season when they have a few more question marks, especially given the age of some of the guys. You have a face that you can sell to everyone as a reason why to get more excited. I think it reinvigorates everybody that's on the baseball team. Like if you're the Blue Jays and Mm -hmm. you're feeling, if you're a fan of this team and you are not a believer in the run it back, like I'm not a believer in the run it back, right? I think that this... This is kind of a, a Leaf situation where if in the Raptors situation, you keep bringing all these guys back next year and you don't have material changes, the fan base is going to be, they're going to have a just the thinnest skin when it comes to any little blip in the road. They're not going to love this team. And people, the second that they have a bad stretch, ticket sales are going to drop because no one's going to want to go and see this team. Like, I, again, I saw Bowden posted in one of his predictions for every MLB team. His prediction for the Blue Jays' big free agent was Matt Chapman. And I went, that is mm-hmm. not going to fly. Mm-hmm. He is, he makes a ton of sense because there's not a lot of other options. But if that's the situation where they're rolling this thing in, it's a nightmare. There's no prospect that's coming up and really helping this team. I had Kylie McDaniel on the other day. He's like, Ricky Tienan might be a good number three someday. That's kind of what he views the ceiling as. It's not. It's not. No, uh, it's 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 very possible. Ricky Tiedemann, nor Ralvis Martinez, yeah. nor anybody is yeah, helps a, the team, a, is right? a major league player. Big t- big time. D- 
they don't have a bunch of pieces to trade from. Like, again, he said that once they promote Ricky Tiedemann, they would have 25th or lower in terms of their farm system ranking to him. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, it's not good. Um, well, what else? Well, now the talk is what you and I brought up three months ago, which is, hey, do you think that they would trade from the surplus of pitchers to try to get something because mm-hmm. they have control? And now that's the conversation because people are looking at this picture and saying, right, there's no other option for this team. It's just... I can't remember whether it's it's felt this boomer bust with an organization. Maybe like Tavares wasn't this because they again they still had the young exciting yes. team. It was more of just hey this guy could bring a level of their yeah. automatic cup contender. Hat on a hat, right? With the right. Tavares thing. But this one, despite the Jays being a good baseball team and everybody with half a brain understanding that even if they just run it back as they are, they're probably going to be around the playoffs. They're going to be a similar team to what they were last year. Some guys are going to have positive regression. You would imagine with the bats, but just how much this guy would change the feeling around this franchise and then what the fallout is going to be if and when he signs with somebody else. Oh, I don't, it's so stupid because they have as optimistic as you can be about Shohei Otani. Like there's obviously a, a very small percentage that the Blue Jays end up landing him, but the, yeah. the alternative to that. Yeah. It, the road is not clear. And mm. I, I was thinking about how I felt about the 2022 Blue Jays improving themselves for 2023 and the, the roadmap did appear pretty clear, right? It was like, get more swing and miss out of the bullpen, maybe mm-hmm. improve the defense. Honestly, I can't say that that was like forefront of mind after they they blew that game to against the Seattle Mariners in the fashion that they did. They hit a bunch of home runs. And you were like, oh, this team's always going to score. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the offense, I remember even before the season, oh. we agreed that the offense took a step back, but we went, hey, oh, but how oh, much? Oh, so you uh, went from great yeah, yeah, to like, yeah, really oh, good. just really yeah. good. Turns and, out, no. And I did, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll just be honest. Yeah. I thought like, Having another level of seriousness was an important part of the 2023. We all thought that the defense, the seriousness, and the base running were all going to combine for this incredible. And swing and miss, and they they improve the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, they did those things, but you could see how they could do it, right? Uh Going into the offseason, this offseason, it's one thing, it's offense. And here's the one thing that's not available in free agency. Offense. There's no bats. That's it. It's like Cody Bellinger, you're selling yourself on one year where he's kind of sort of returned to being good. Cody Bellinger, uh, like, absolutely could have a season next year where his OPS is 817. Mm -hmm. Or like, he's good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's you could look at it and say, man, he's really good, but it's just the idea that he's just coming in and he's a bona fide 900 OPS guy. And you're going to have to pay him like he is because he's the top of the the class outside of Shohei Otani. No, if it's if it's not Otani. And, like, I guess you can convince me that the Blue Jays can make a concerted effort to get Juan Soto, but he's not re-signing, right? So that's a pure rental, and you are, especially if the Yankees are as serious about Soto as they appear to be. I was going to say, not only that, we should also put the disclaimer of, uh, like you and I were the first ones that were started to do the Soto thing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there was like bloggers and stuff that were doing this all the time. And I saw Anthony Castrovince of MLB.com did this thing. It's like, yeah, there's, there's a, it makes sense if you're trying to make the fantasy trade of Vladdy for Soto, mm-hmm. but it's one of those ones where every person that has an ounce of Blue Jays knowledge about the front offices, there's no way they would do that. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at the prospects, again, it's a, it's a complete non-starter. They do not have the prospects. No, unless... you, could, you could do it if you blow up your system. Like yeah, if, if you include if Ricky Tiedemann. That's Tiedemann's... what I'm saying, though. They're not going to include Ricky Tiedemann in a Juan Soto trade. You would mm-hmm. have to think, right? You would just have to think that they would not that's do that. That's one of those where it's like, oh, Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins think that they're out of here. Like that's a, yeah, but... like yeah, staring at the end of your tenure. Type of the biggest trade. the biggest one for me on that is just like 
didn't they have an opportunity to get in on Soto when he was leaving Washington mm-hmm. and they could have included Ricky Tiedemann and everyone said they're not going to include Ricky Tiedemann in any type of trade for right. Juan Soto. So you go, okay, well, if that was then when you had more control of Juan Soto, why right. would they do it now when they have less? Anyway, um, there's this huge swing. These are the, uh, now I want to get in the meat. All right. So everybody's going to be pissed. That wasn't the meat? That was no, the no, bread? No. That was the bread. That was a little app. Okay. A little appetizer. Because that stuff's obvious. We've done that stuff tons of times. This is all the things that have been done. I've done this. You've done this. Who cares? Here's my question. Okay, so we know how it's going to play out if the Jays are the runners up, right? I guess. I mean, no, just to say, people are going to say, oh, of course, we, and, and then yeah. there's going to be the Twitter accounts that go, I can't believe that you ever believed. Mm-hmm. There's going to be the Blue Jays apologist accounts that are like, here's the spin right away. Um, here's who they're going to get. And uh, they're just going to make fun of the people who, because obviously the Blue Jays should try, right? But that's, this is my point, is if you actually remove the pessimism around this fan base right now, and the idea that the difficult idea to grasp that they could be the runners up and that could just actually be like a factual thing, runners up or third runners up, a team that was really in the mix, but just didn't land Shohei Otani because ultimately they weren't good enough. Do you give Atkins Shapiro ownership credit for being in it? Or is it even worse that they did this to the baseball team, knowing that you were this close and that if you were a little bit better, you could have actually landed him. Well, it depends if, I mean, we would have to know what the factors were. No, not, I, I, you're not going to get the factors. You're going to get whatever the factors that you get are going to be disseminated by the team, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to come from Shohei Otani's camp. It's going to be from who has the most to gain. So most of the facts you're going to get are going to come from the people who want you to have the, the facts as presented to them, right? Like, Steve Nash, when he and the Raptors didn't decide to get together, right? You want to say, look, we gave our best pitch possible. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the pitcher's. It's the pitchers that want you to know how good their pitch was. Mm-hmm. Like, the only way it doesn't get out is if it turns out the pitchers are like, come here for far less than market value. We lowballed you. Then it's the agents that are like, we want yeah. to come here, but then we lowballed. The only reason the Blue Jays would think that they're involved in this thing is if not only they're willing to go to the level financially that anybody else I think is, they that they're definitely gonna, are. Yeah, that they yeah. have to be uh, under the assumption that they have to go above mm-hmm. what, again, because the Dodgers make too much sense yeah. because they are actually the winning franchise. Actually, still in California, he barely has to move, and they actually have the deep pockets. So if you truly believe that you have a chance to land Shohei Otani, which the Blue Jays wouldn't be doing this if they didn't truly believe it. No, they're clearly they, – here's what I would say. They're clearly in on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you fault – like if <laughs> – I, I know I'm gonna sound. Fall. I know I'm gonna sound like one of the uh, apologists that you're talking about. But oh, if you, gonna... but oh, if you hold offered on, hold him, on. Uh, <laughs> she'll talk with Ben Ennis. <laughs> uh, go if ahead. If you she'll... offered him the most money, yeah, and you were a runner-up, despite the fact that there's not a lot of winning that's been happening here. Like I didn't notice. Really, it's been a while since some victories. And, like, mm-hmm. it's funny how we view the, the 2015 Blue Jays, like so many of those 90s Leafs teams. It's like, wow, the best team ever because mm-hmm. they yeah. won around the playoffs and that they were World Series caliber, no question. And since then, it's been a whole lot of not a whole lot. This is interesting. You're going to shill and disparage the most popular team in the last 20 years in the city. Okay, yeah, go on. <laughs> go on, big head. If somehow you got yourself into runner-up position after winning 89 games Uh and having no postseason victories in the Bo Vlad 
era. Yeah. And and that was the overriding factor is like, hey man, if you guys had just done a little more winning, and I get, I I guess the counter would you're be spinning yourself in circles here. Like I know because that I guess yeah. So your counter would be that hey, you blew it already. Like so that's on the front office for not yeah. building a winner in previous years. Yeah, because here's here's what I would say. It's outside. Here's my here's, here's my shill talk. You ready but, for my shill talk? I will, uh, one last thing before you uh, do your uh, shill talk. Yeah. Is like the Dodgers are going to sell themselves on yeah the regular seasons hundred outside of the the like yeah, yeah, bubble okay. championship it, they're also relevant. big I, I, jokers yeah, 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 yeah. they're That's, jokers this was too not, this was not needed um, the shill talk the important part for me to say is that <laughs> this is the worst part is I genuinely believe this the shill talk is you actually have to give a ton of credit to ownership that they be if they're in on Shohei Otani that means that the financial commitment is insane right the actual guys that you should be upset at it's not ownership mm-hmm. it is the dudes that ownership hired to make the baseball team good because there was an opportunity here for them to give Shohei Otani the most amount of money mm-hmm. and you two guys didn't have the baseball team in good enough standing for him to oh, but- come here the problem is is that we don't know if there's going to be like a geographical element to this or whatever the no, hell those things that are outside the control I think that thing already exists like okay. they, we, they paid into mm-hmm. the luxury tax this past season yeah. and they won 89 games no 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 but that but this would be a different thing man if if he signs here we're talking about like George Springer makes what 160 or something what what's George Springer's yeah. total money yeah it's about that it's like a, and he's the biggest signing in Blue Jays history right mm-hmm. 160 million if they get Shohei Otani and he comes to 500 Toronto million yeah that's what I'm saying it's 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 half a bill that's that's a quite a different ticket for one player that's something where you know everybody if you're a baseball fan no illegal streaming, right? Like you <laughs> you got to commit, all right? You got to commit. There should be a blood oath going around amongst people saying, hey, if Shohei Otani comes here and you get caught illegally streaming, you're in some <laughs> underground prison. We never moon hear jail? from you again. Yeah, moon jail. Yeah, you're you're gone. you immediately uh, in moon jail. Like if I go to somebody's house and they have illegal stream on and Shohei Otani's I do that. taking I swings mean, for I the Blue Jays. I people all the yeah, time of course for you would. Of course streams. you would. But I'm just saying that that would be... <laughs> That would be beyond the pale to me. That would make me sick, you know? Uh, so here's the second part of this, though, okay? Because I think we both agree, all right? Clearly, ownership is in on this guy. They're willing to open up the pocketbooks. I think the front office should get credit, the fact that they're they're still keeping him in this thing, that they mm-hmm. even have the sales pitch for this, that Shohei Otani even 5% believes he'd be a Blue Jay. I think that's good for them, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, now here's the bigger one. It's also if they mi- did it. His, his hero, Yusei Kikuchi's on this team too. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Okay, but if if this was the, if that really mattered at all, he'd be going to the Mariners because he loves Ichiro, and I'm sure the Mariners have asked Ichiro to give them mm. give them a pitch. Yeah, the Mariners are done spending money though. Yeah, out. but uh, well, I'll tell you right now, if they signed here, Yusei Kikuchi should automatically get also a lifetime contract. It's not $500 million for Otani. Mm-hmm. It should be immediately like another $100 million for Yusei Kikuchi. Oh, whatever helped, it takes. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. He's a le- like he immediately a level of excellence. He goes from I being... I mean, that's how I would sell it to Shohei, too. It's like, hey, what do you want? Like, I don't yeah. know what you want. If it's money, we got the money, yeah, obviously. Yeah. If it's winning, uh, we can't control what our record was. If like, it's dog privacy, what? we promise. We'll, Again, <laughs> Otani Dome, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we've gone over this. Your manager, whatever you want is yours. Like, he should be given carte blanche. So, let's say they do land him. Can you be mad if they suck? Um, like, doesn't this just, if they were to land Otani, yeah. 
isn't you and I have done this before where you go, what's the I closest thing to winning? Hold on. What's the closest thing to winning a championship, right? Mm-hmm. It's like as a sports fan, you say like winning the first overall pick in the draft. And we did this whole thing of what is the highest of highs that you could feel as a sports fan. I think that landing Shohei Otani would feel exactly like the bat flip to me. Honestly, I, uh, I also think it not knowing specifically the financials that come with signing a Shohei Otani. I think. Even financially, it like winning would be good. It would be a whole lot better than losing. Yeah, but like winning. being a yeah. five hundred team, yeah, just it's, having Shohei Otani, the amount of money that, that you, you can generate him. from him, and that you convinced him. That's and, yeah, yeah. There's only I know the, the the saying is there's only one winner and twenty nine losers yeah, at yeah. the end of the year. But like maybe there would be two winners at That's the end what, of the but year. This is what I'm saying is you know how there's the. If you when the Raptors won a championship in 2019, yeah, and then they were fun in 2020, mm-hmm. but they got sentimental and they really they shouldn't have been. And if Masai was cold, cut it and calculate. If you look back at like, hey, when did Masai start to not be the Masai Ujiri of the past? It was running that team back, and we all loved it as fans. We did. Yeah. I, I make no apologies. They were my favorite thing on television forever and ever and ever. But if he was cold and calculated, he would have said, okay. This team is not going to win a championship next year without Kawhi. I know they have the right to run it back, but I don't care. The whole reason that we won a championship is that I was cutthroat by trading away DeMar DeRozan. Now yeah. if I do this with these other championship pieces, we're set up forever. Mm-hmm. I talked about this with Bonnie Jones yesterday, how like sentimentality in sports, mm-hmm. that's poison now. That's now the worst thing that you can have. I don't like that you talk to like maybe the smartest guy in sports yeah. media the day prior you talk to me. Like that's, that's a little too, that's a little too yeah. contrasting. I don't like that. Yeah, I know. I got to tell you, too. I, I has felt so dumb. <laughs> like dumber than idea. normal. Dumber than normal. Wow. Yeah. But you got to, like, lean into your Hold dumbness. Hold on. No, now you're, de- now you're derailing me because I'm a dumb guy. I can't remember where I was. <laughs> so, like I said, the grace period that you get after a championship where, okay, we mm-hmm. sucked this year, but who we cares? won a championship, so who cares? Flags fly forever. Exactly. I kind of think Shohei Otani landing him would be essentially a championship. And people are going to criticize me for saying this thing. Go, this is classic Toronto mentality is that yeah. you think that signing a free agent would be a championship. It's like, no, man, I really do think that this would be different. This would be the number one free agent in baseball where it's not about, hey, John Tavares came home because he's from here and he mm-hmm. wore the pajamas. This is convincing a guy who's from a completely different country who cares about nothing more than winning baseball games. And you convinced him to come here and mm-hmm. spend his prime here, I, it's the championship. It's a, it's hang a banner. If they hung a banner uh-huh. in the Rogers center, signed Shohei Otani <laughs> and they raised it opening night, I would, I wouldn't, I would have zero objection. The front you know office gets their own rings. Buddy, their yes, the whole rings. team. Yeah. Give them, dude, I, imagine you're at a bar. Yeah. The year is 2048 yeah. and you're sitting there at the bar and the guy beside you is wearing a ring and you go, it's a, it has a big O. It's just a yeah. big O ring. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> I was right, actually right. the hitting coach of the 2024 Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. And we signed Otani. And people are like, oh, and they passed the ring around. I, I'm telling you, it's as close as it gets, baby. It's as close as it gets. Smash cut to yeah. Otani. It's July and he's uh, hitting home run number 35 and Vlad's hitting you know, 250 with 12 home runs and the, the Jays are a game under 500 and people Who are screaming. Cares? Who, who cares? No, I, I I just tell you, that's truly the only way that it could go south is if Shohei showed up here and then it was the world's literally most famous bad contract where they went, oh, he took steroids and now he sucks. It's a, like Robinson 
Genau. Like, yeah. yeah but they, they, the Mariners extricated themselves from that deal. They did. They did. But, yeah, I'm just saying, and actually year one of Robbie Cano was yeah. awesome. But Chris and, Davis, the Chris Davis contract with the, the Orioles. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, but know, that's what I'm saying. One. You got you to gotta be the famously bad contracts where 50 years from now people are going Shohei to the Blue Jays, the greatest sports. No, it's honestly like there would be media, there would be books written about it. I, I would, you'd have to wait. Yeah, but then for, we would have witnessed history too. So I'm not even against that. I'm not even against that. If he came here, and no, was, I'm saying like even in the positives, like yeah, like that's the thing you create. Yeah, w- signing Shohei Otani creates this other like secondary yeah. form of revenue and livelihood off of the signing of him and the retelling of the story of signing him. How many tweets get deleted? Do you think it's a record if he signs here? The tweets that are Shapiro Atkins hate related. They're just the immediate scrubbing of all social media. You have like a those lot guys of faith legacy in in people to to have Longer memories than I think no, sports no, fans no, generally no, no, do. No, 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 I don't. I, I think I'm, my faith is properly placed in this regard. As I think that people get their, they get their hobby horse thing, right? Mm-hmm. They get their, on, when it comes to these like dividing lines, these polarized lines, I think that the Shapiro Atkins thing is very much like you're deeply embedded in That's hating That's part of my these identity. Guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, like, it's, it's like hating Dubas or loving Dubas. Oh, I was going to say, like, are those people, is there, are they concentric circles on the Venn diagram or are those separate people? If you, if you hate no, no, Shapiro, no. yeah, no, I think no, that separate. Shapiro, well, really? You don't think the Shapiro Atkins haters also hated Kyle Dubas? Oh, no, I do think, oh, buddy, here, here, I think that there is a part of, I think sports fan in general when it comes to places that are traditionally tortured, mm-hmm. that there is a underlying pessimism to the group that goes like, nothing's ever going to happen good for us. And that's part of your identity is I told you guys. So mm-hmm. I told you we suck. Yeah. When the team yourself. Loses. Yeah. But it becomes who you are and you almost don't want it to change because yeah. you want to be the guy in the bar. I, and we all have friends like this. Close your eyes and then picture that person who's oh, like, I shouldn't do that. Oh, you guys, are dumb. Ha, that. you guys are dumb. You even thought we had a chance to win that, that, that person. <laughs> That that very much exists in Toronto. Won't allow themselves to hope. But they do. It's just that that's their identity now is that we're losers and they Mm -hmm. suck and that everybody's dumb but them. And, yeah, they go on. And if they could only run the team, then everything would be better. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, yeah, if they sign Shohei Otani, you're you're never allowed to not have hope again. No, it changes. It's like, yeah. Forever in this. Because you're right. It's like Masai Ujiri saying, believe in Toronto. All of a sudden, (laughs) Shohei Otani, believe in Toronto. And they they landed Kawhi. But, yeah, there's never been a a significant free agent that's ever landed here. And, yeah, the George Springer, they offered so much more money. And it was such a weird time, such an uncertain yeah. time. In- Hockey doesn't count. Um, sorry. When, yeah, in I- this regard, when it comes to like an international free agent, like John Tavares isn't going to a different country. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> John Tavares. No, the, George Springer would be the only one that, I mean, because they stared down the Mets with their deep pockets. And, but, there was and also, but, the, but there was also like four guys that free agency. And mm-hmm. the consensus was the Jays are going to pay themselves into one of them. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, whatever. I, I, I'm not trying to take away from that. My point is. This is a different deal. This I've, is the biggest free agent yeah. in the history of North American pro sports. Mm. No, man, that's that's a a fact. I mean, financially, it's financially, a fact. Financially, yes. I don't know. Kevin Durant was more impactful. Yeah, I was going to say LeBron, man. Like you're, he had the decision. Like, what are you talking about? So, like LeBron was guaranteeing you championships. Shohei Otani doesn't guarantee you championships. So, like, yeah, that's good. That, you just did a Skip Bayless, and you almost got me for a second, and then I remembered LeBron no, James. LeBron is good. Yeah, is that? <laughs> <laughs> LeBron. 
<laughs> the world's a good one. This is like, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember who it was in the NBA who was doing the whole Victor Wembanyama is the greatest prospect in the history of all professional sports. Right. And people were like, whoa. And then people went like, well, LeBron was pretty, like, we knew who LeBron was when he was like 13 years old. He's like, yeah, yeah. For, for sure. He's pretty good. <laughs> he is pretty good. Yeah. That LeBron guy. No, but you can on... talk yourself into the next LeBron free agency if you yeah. let Shohei Otani here. Actually, we kind of, I hope this doesn't end up being that way. Because remember the, the small people who did, I don't mean the small, small like the small people. amount of people. No, there's a small group of people that really believe that LeBron could sign here, right? Remember when he was up and went, you know, this kind of mm-hmm. makes sense. LeBron could come to Toronto. He owns Toronto. He says this, yeah. but it's like, come on, please, yeah. for the love of God. So I, I can't remember who tried to propagate that, but it was kind of embarrassing. I hope that Shohei doesn't end up like that, mm-hmm. where in, the, in hindsight, something gets Can't wait to do that for Shea's uh, free agency yeah. in 27. Either way, I, I, we all thought that the Yusei Kikuchi narrative couldn't have been a bigger swing from the year previous to when guys were wearing Yusei Kikuchi Cy Young merch with the Blue yeah. Jays, and he was one of the most popular Blue Jays pitchers. Hell, one of their most popular players last year. The greatest legacy swing ever in the history of the city would be Shapiro and Atkins if they landed this guy. It would just go from two dudes who are pretty much Atkins, especially. Like, what's Atkins' approval rating today, you think? If you pulled the city, like, could you find five people who think he's good and like him? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, could you find five people because where they're it's like, not you know, only, it's just, it's not only the, yeah, yeah, I know. The yeah, it's everything. Yeah, it's no, like, it's everything. It's, it's everything. It's everything. It's, it's everything. <laughs> it's not a single thing. Like, at least, like, Shapiro's like this affable guy. He goes on the Blue Jays broadcast, but with the start of the, every season, mm-hmm. and he just knocks it out of the park mm-hmm. when it comes to the way he loves the game and the way he speaks about the game. And everybody and the team loves and just, the Renos, yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, yeah, the yeah, face yeah. No, of that. No, he's the face of the popular stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very, very different. Anyway, all right. Let's take a quick break here because I think. I think we've taken this as far as it can go, but I hope I, I just want to put it on record that I'm not going to say that I, I, I told you so. I don't think he's going to sign here, but I had, I'll just say this. Let me God, just say this. Let me just say this. I had a dream last night. Oh my God. About Shohei Otani signing in Toronto. Dude. I had a dream that shy tweeted some image mm. that was like an indicator of like Otani is in tr- Like we all knew what the image meant and I was freaking out going, Oh my God, I, can't believe this is happening. So, for whatever that's worth, I did have a dream that Shohei Otani signed in Toronto. Two things. One, you that's were how the much guy, I'm thinking about it and believing in it. You were the guy that dismissed this thing so out of hand, like a month ago. But that's right. again, it's a stages of my sports fandom and my brain. Mm-hmm. And secondarily, you sound like Marco Estrada every time you talk about the the 2015 Blue Jays. Oh yeah, we had the dream. Oh, he had a dream. And we were, we were. Don't make fun of Marco. It's my guy. <sighs> I and it's like I, I'm sure you did, but like yeah. That, that hurts. It also actually reminds me. God, you went after the 2015 Blue Jays. <laughs> and now I'm going to go after Second most clutch guy that we've ever my had. My grandmother-in-law. Yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> I'm what, what go do after we do? her. Yeah. Because you are my too wife was, You're a liability. You need <laughs> a second coffee, buddy. When my wife was pregnant, my my grandmother-in-law. <laughs> Where is this going? My grandmother-in-law was like, I had a dream. You're going to oh, have okay. a beautiful girl. Oh, like, re- and my wife was like, yeah, <laughs> really? Amazing. <laughs> boy. Second yeah. one, boy. Yeah, but that's them. I'm talking about me. Yeah, no, you're clairvoyant. Yeah, for sure. exactly. Anyway, uh, just food for thought. <laughs> okay, so you did, and I... Did you do that with Bull Manning Jones? Did your, your segment yeah, with did. Bo sound like, exactly like those yeah. 38 minutes? I said, how much do dreams matter to you? <laughs> 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, you and I do the Hopeless Franchise Rankings, and a team has, I think, really changed the game. So I want to get into that, but then who's the runner-up? That's next.
All right. So when we had a program called Good Show, we used to do the hopeless franchise rankings. Mm-hmm. And I normally it's summer content. Mm-hmm. But I've just been obsessed with the Carolina Panthers. I can't get over it. It's just it's too. And and the reason I'm bringing this up today is because I read an article on the Ringer. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get right who wrote this thing. I kept it open because they deserve a lot of credit for this. Is Nora Princiati mm-hmm. really good from the Ringer? So wrote this piece on the David Tepper situation and all the dysfunction in Carolina. And I've been bringing it up because I go, I don't know how you as a sports fan sleep knowing that you passed on C.J. Stroud, who already looks like one of the five quarterbacks in the NFL that matters the most. In fact, uh, because he's on his rookie contract right now, I was debating with friends the other day about would you take him first overall if you could build a franchise right now? I said, no, 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 you still take Mahomes. Like Mahomes is the guy. But I think that you'd have to have legitimate conversations about him versus anybody else, right? Even like Joe Burrow's had multiple injuries at this point. Oh, Herbert yeah. still can't win football games. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor Lawrence, the guy on the other side, I think has had less spectacular moments in his basically his entire career mm-hmm. than Stroud has had in his early career. So, yeah, I think that there's a legitimate conversation that he is the number two player of value in the NFL today, mm-hmm. which is nuts. So not only did you pass on him, you gave up two first-round picks to do it and two second-round picks, plus a number one receiver on your team, I think a little bit of an overrated player in DJ Moore, but like a really good player, like a, a very, very good player who clearly would have at least helped your rookie quarterback. And not only that, you took a quarterback who he's off to a worse start to his career by the numbers than Zach Wilson. I believe it. Yeah, and he... Zach Wilson looked like more of a quarterback than yeah. a little diminutive uh, Bryce Young as well. Yeah, so the Panthers to me are number one with a bullet right now. They've got the most painful quarterback to watch where it's a guy who's 5'9", who does not appear to have any special trait, um, who doesn't look great, and we can talk about the weapons, and he's got a bad offensive line and all these different things, but that also means that by the time you have to decide to pay him, it doesn't seem like you'll have a really good understanding of who he is as a player anyway, and you might have to pay him too much. Uh, You have an owner who inserted himself into the conversation with the draft pick as well, where the coaching staff wanted to get C.J. Stroud. They wanted to draft C.J. Stroud. And instead, it was this guy, David Tepper, who like really pushed his weight around to get, yeah, Bryce Young. Uh, here's the other thing I didn't know, though, from this article, is that Tepper, who he also owns Charlotte FC. Mm-hmm. Do you know about this? Yeah, that they've been, th- uh, both teams have been through four yeah. head coaches. Four and- coaches in 18 months. Yeah. They're 30 and 63 since he bought the team. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the quarterback stuff that I mentioned above. So, yeah, I like... He can learn... Here's the, the thing. I, I get it. And you're right. Like, no, they're that's the most awful. hopeless right now, that's, that's, But that's I'm just horrible. saying the hopeless franchise rankings always are, what's the team that you would least want to be a fan of right now? Like, who has the least reasons for optimism? Yeah. And, I th- and this is a North American sports thing. It doesn't well, matter if I you're... mean, it's the team that has one win and is about to hand yeah. over the first overall selection. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you're, yeah, the, you're the most yeah. depressed. That's what I'm saying. They've broken the yeah. hopeless franchise rankings because I don't even think you can have a debate. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no discussion about any other team because these guys are the most stuck you would least want to be a carolina panthers fan for the next three years unquestionably yeah no no the, the, yeah if we're talking about a three-year time horizon yeah, yeah there's there's no debate yeah okay so yeah because over if you make it the hopeless franchise rankings over you know time and t- it's like okay yeah it changes things you go well how is a small market baseball team like a, a team that's never going to spend any money 
mm-hmm. that that would probably go the lowest because there's no salary cap, right? Like the Pittsburgh Pirates now. The thing still. is, it's hard to be hopeless in 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 that sport now yeah. too, because like loser teams that win 84 games make the playoffs and make the yeah, World it's Series. true. Yeah, it's true. Actually, that's really changed the the math on this. So, um, yeah, Panthers number one. So I wanted to know, or I want to kind of go through who's number two, and I I put together four teams. Um. Do you want me to go first or do you want to give your pick? Because I, I put four together that I could kind of pitch you on and see where you landed or if you had a different answer than one of these four teams. So it, the parameters were not clear to me. So there were two teams I was thinking about. But if you're well, talking you about a you three-year time 20, horizon. But you can't think 20 years in the future. you got to just go with the information that you have now. And I like, mean, the information I have now still has the, that 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers coming off an Achilles injury is not going to be good. And that the, the Jets are – they have everything invested in him and – and so much of what made you bullish about them is probably going to be expired by the time you have the next quarterback, mm. that they would be up there for me. They're up there because they are the the Jets, mm-hmm. but they clearly have a special defense that if they can just get a halfway competent offense around, you're feeling really good about them. So the Rodgers thing could go a certain way, but I don't think it's hopeless because you have hope. The whole no, thing I is that you have the hope of Aaron Rodgers showing up. You have the hope of this defense being able to win you games. Like, dude, they had Zach Wilson, who's off to now. I think I was listening to something the other day where they said he has more track record for a horrific quarterback than any other quarterback we've ever seen before. Like, they gave him a longer leash for someone that has played this poorly than we've ever seen before. Of course. So... Just getting I mean, but that, that ties into play. it, and there—I mean—that ties into the ownership of it all, sure. right? But but I'm, my point here is that if they can just find a competent quarterback, mm-hmm. they don't need Aaron Rodgers to be incredible to be at least in the mix. Like, look at the AFC right now. There's not a dominant team. The Ravens almost blew it last week to the Chargers. Just the the Jets are still in it. I don't view them as hopeless, and I know they're not because I have a lot of Jets fans in my life. And they're depressed about this year. They're kind of hoping for the pick. They don't want Rodgers to come back, but they're still hopeful about next season, which I don't think that you can say oh. about other places. Dude, I mean, they dude, still got dude, their that's first. the worst type yeah. of hope. Like, yeah. Un- yeah. Hope that uh, outsiders understand is unfounded and is only going to blow up in your face. But these are these are my four. The Detroit Pistons, 15 straight losses, yeah. awful market. Yeah. Jaden Ivey and Killian Hayes were misses. Mm-hmm. Cade, not a true superstar at number one. He's got some injury stuff, and he's good. And you watch him, and you say, yeah, and the numbers are good, but it's it's not overwhelming, and there doesn't appear to be... I don't think that he's going to be quite the game changer that we thought that he was going to be. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Again, it's still early in his career. Uh, here's why you hope is the Duran is a good pick. Sasser looks all right, and they are going to own a high draft pick this year. They could end up picking first overall. Like, your hope is that you have a lottery pick in this year's draft. I mean, in one of the worst projected yeah. drafts and yeah. the reason why a Raptors team that had no championship aspirations handed away a potential yeah. lottery pick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Pistons are one, two Columbus blue jackets, horrific market, the Babcock disaster. Johnny Goudreau has how many points do you think in 23 games? <laughs> it's so many. Is it 10? It's 11. Um, it's 11 points in 23 games. He's got a cap hit of $10 million yeah. for the next six years. That's including this season. They also have Patrick Line, who's the second highest paid player on the team at 8.7 for they the next just three. just beat the Bruins, though. Yeah, 15, uh, 15th on team points. The reason for optimism is you have Adam Fantilli, I guess, and top pick hope. Yeah. And then the main reason that I put for hockey, um, which leads into the next team as well, is that the sport, the parity, the cap space can be used to your advantage. You can turn things around fairly quickly with just like a couple moves. And you don't have to be great to make the playoffs. That's it. Yeah, it, it's half the, so yeah, the sport it. makes it's the like, playoffs. Yeah, right. Like even now, 
I believe, last check, they have more regulation wins than the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Yeah. Because everybody does, but yes. Yeah. Um, the third one is actually my choice. It's the San Jose Sharks. And it's for this reason, is they're 13th in Corey Pronman's prospect or farm. I think he calls them pipeline rankings, mm-hmm. where it evaluates what you have in the farm system and what could be coming up and helping you. And it's like they're a disaster to watch right now. They're an AHL team. They have hurdle. And then the rest of their roster is pretty paper thin. There's really just not much there that you love. And then they don't have, you know, that face of hope, at least that one guy that, all right, well, this dude might be able to sell tickets at some point. Like they're just a complete disaster right now. They're, they've got a history of kind of choking. Mm. They're just, they're, they're just depressing. They're depressing, depressing, pressing watch. And I just don't see a path for this team to be any good over the next three years. Like just none. I, I don't think that they do like, that's it. So they're my choice, but here's the number four Toronto Raptors. Oh my God. Here, here's, here's the thing. You don't own your first round pick this year. You'd kind of do. It's top six protected. But I don't know how anybody who's watching this team right now could feel like a real abundance of faith. I'm going to talk to Grange in a couple of minutes, but they had a nice win last night. And Scotty Barnes is like a really nice piece for an organization, right? Like he's a really good player to be able to build around. But a lot of teams have Scotty Barnes-ish caliber players, I would say. Like a lot of these teams. And then they have more. They have more in terms of what they can do, the maneuverability. The Raptors are kind of in this rock and a hard play spot where we all agree that, hey, they're not good enough. This team doesn't have a first-round pick and they're not sitting in a playoff spot. They win this game against Phoenix, who's 11-7, and and people are like, look at these guys. They're incredible. And I'm like, Phoenix played a bunch of G League guys and Devin Booker was hung over and they didn't play the third guy. And hurt his foot. Yeah, yeah, whatever. whatever. I think, I actually think that he was just so hung over they need to keep going to the bench. I really KD played though. Yeah, and KD was good and KD was good. My only point is, is that it's like, they're in a spot now where there's reports about OG and Anobi potentially going the Fred Van Vliet route where they lose him for nothing. Mm -hmm. They just lost Fred Van Vliet for a big old nothing. In terms of asset return, I get that they got his career and it was fun here. Um, you don't know what's going to happen with Siakam. You basically have the option of like pay him a max or let him walk or trade him for a really subpar trade package. Your first round pick this year and Grady Dick is down in the G League. The one thing he's supposed to do is shoot and he can't do that anymore. Um, I don't know. I just don't think that there's like a whole heck of a lot of reasons for optimism with this Raptors team. I think that you could kind of like if you were saying, hey, no, but you could hope on some sort of return at the deadline that you finally that's, make but a that's decision. The, but that's the worst kind of hope is that you're the team that's over the barrel that mm-hmm. is staring down all these decisions. Like, I'm just saying, would you rather? I think the Wizards are right there with the Raps. They were the other team that I was going to do. But mm-hmm. right now, you'd rather, despite them being lower in the standings, you'd rather be the Hornets and have ball and have, you know, what's going on than the Raps. How about the Angels who have horrible ownership? You well, are yeah, unable to, to, to make the playoffs with the two greatest players in the history yeah. of the sport. And you've got so, it. You still got one there, but yeah. now he's finally starting to look his age. He's in his 30s. You owe him a quadrillion dollars, and you're going to have to figure yeah. out a way to maybe recoup assets on him, uh, although he controls his destiny because he has a no trade mm-hmm. protection. Yeah, uh, that's uh, the Angels are underratedly yeah. no, one of there. the most hopeless. The other team, by the way. Congrats, Kawhi. My other honorable mention was the Clippers. You have no assets moving forward, essentially. You're tied into four players that we clearly already know don't work together. Your passing percentage has dropped just massively, and your only option is to give all of those same guys the money and continue to just be a middling team in the NBA. I think they're 8-9 and right now. So, yeah. Anyways, those are the teams that I think uh, represent the most hopeless. I sort of threw the Raptors in there for effect, but, yeah, I think that they're actually around it. Like, they're not... Here's what I would say about the Raps. They're not... Not in the bottom 10 when I did this. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're actually in the bottom five disagree. like I did, but they're they're around there. Especially 
Like they can't get a free agent. That's not going to happen here, right? It's just there's there's factors that are working against them. So yeah. Anyway, um, the reason that you really hoped in the Raptors was that they always had Masai Ujiri. You always felt like they were the better run organization than all the other teams. And lately, I think that you've lost that bit of hope. And, and that so, Drake would finally attract a. But Drake a free agent did here. take Devin Booker out. Yeah. The, well done. Yeah. Good job. Good <laughs> good job, Drake. All right. Quick break. Let's come back. Uh, Michael Grange on this report of apparently uh, the Raptors have a pretty big fear that's looming. That's next. So yeah, tidy win for the Raps last night. Really enjoyed it. Contributions from a whole lot of players. Clutch finish to the game for Scotty Barnes. I actually had a lot of this... I watched the, you know, the first half of this game and I had already prepared a bunch of Barnes numbers to, to talk about with Grange and just kind of what's going on and is this a little bit more of a story than it maybe is right now? I feel like the Raptors have flown very much under the radar, for me at least personally. Like I've been doing way more Leaf stuff. I've been way more enthralled by Blue Jays free agency and when I watch the Raps, I'm sorry. I, I, I think I, I pretty, it's, it's pretty clear that there's a team without direction and a very, very limited ceiling and they can beat teams like Phoenix, great. Like, uh, there was a lot made about this whole Toronto was on the tarmac until 4 a.m. I'm like, all right, yeah, they're NBA players. Um, and then, yeah, one of Phoenix's only two passable players was horrific last night, and he looked completely hungover. Like, I, I'm sorry. I think, that, I think that Devin Booker went out and partied in North Vegas. Like, there's just, that's it. And him going to the bench, rolled ankle. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. It's a lot of trips to the back to probably vomit because he wasn't feeling so good and Drake's there and they're having a great time. It's awesome. Anyway, um, but yeah, Scotty Barnes closing the fourth quarter. Really, really important to me. I loved seeing him with the bench where the start of the quarter is, hey, just survive. Everybody knows that this bench isn't very good. And then all of a sudden he saw some like cool contributions from Precious Chua and Scotty Barnes finishes the quarter with 12 points and one of them's on a like nice pull-up three. He's just kind of running the floor with this team. He's playing with that attitude. He's doing the finger guns, going back to the bench. He's after the game saying he's got that dog in him. And I went, all right, this is, this is the reason you can build up some optimism as a Raptors fan from last night. Anyway, so uh, Michael Grange, senior writer for sports. And that joins me now. What's up, brother? How are we doing? Uh, I'm good, JD. Sorry. I just had to <laughs> some water there. It's all good. I didn't, I I didn't like, time your, I like, I didn't how time are you? your, uh, yeah. How are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, we could have given you the day off. No, no you, 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 uh, you finished so, three seconds before I thought you were going to Yeah, yeah, that's my bad. That's my bad. I've never, I've never been great with timing. Okay, so, yeah, uh, Scotty hits a three. Precious uh, gets an N1. Precious, a good game with a ton of energy around the basket. Uh, Scotty gets another one to close. It's 12 points in the quarter. Yeah, I. where do you kind of stack that one amongst moments of the season for Barnes? Because I just felt like that one was really impressive in a, a time that he needed it after a bit of a cold spell for him offensively and some pretty big question marks about him and these bench units, especially if you look at the, the underlying numbers of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I was shocked. You know, I, um, I, you know, I think I lost a billion dollars last night. I, uh, I did not see this coming. Um, I... I just thought there's no chance they were going to win that game and um, going into it. And, and basically, you know, you look at the way Scotty's played the last five, six games. I mean, it's been a while since he's really kind of looked like a force offensively and um, kind of out of nowhere, he, uh, he brings it. And, and I mean, that's, um, 
That's what makes him a really, really interesting player, right? Because, you know, you can kind of pick apart. There's this and that, and he needs to get better, and he needs to do this. And, um, you know, what's he lack? But what he has is uh, it's indisputable. Like, he's just one of those guys who really um, gets excited when things are getting stressful and tense and competitive and, and he has finds another gear, and I think is you know if, if anything, it, it's he needs to find that gear sooner, more regularly, and uh, for longer stretches of the game because you know in that sense he's still a young player, right? Like he's he kind of you know it's like he figures he can he can make up for everything in the fourth quarter, but um, and yeah, and 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 you know all these kind of numbers and discussion with Scotty and the bench, Scotty and the bench. It's like well, part of it's got to be the bench, you know. And, uh, I think it's a pretty big part uh, of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty like, big part of it. Chua has yeah. been terrible this yeah. year. Like he's just been, and and even last night you're watching the times and you're like, can we just move on from this? You know, like he'll fumble a pass. It's just his, just some of his initial reactions on the basketball floor just are faulty, slow, or he he tell he knows what he wants to do, but he, he kind of short circuits, and then. You know, he kind of stops thinking, starts playing, and, and he's just so athletic. He's so quick. He's so, uh, you know, difficult to handle. And, um, you know, and that was that was a big part of, the, of that success last night. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I thought it was really impressive from Scotty. I think it's, you know, I think it's nice that that bench group was able to support him a little bit. But, I mean, there's been no evidence so far this year that that's a sustainable solution or formula. Yeah, I completely agree. And so uh, one of the things, like the the main reason that I wanted to have you on today was to talk about Barnes because leading into this thing, um, so in the first seven games of the Raptors season, he was their leading scorer five times. And we were having all these conversations about, hey, is he going to be the most improved player of the year? And holy crap, this is the story of the season. And uh, every piece of pessimism that you had around the Raptors, it doesn't matter because you have this guy who clearly looks like he's taken a step. And I think that he's had some, some good games in there and there's games where, and he's just the type of player where he contributes more than just the scoring. But in the last 11, he had cracked 20 twice and he was their leading scorer only twice in those 11 games before last night, he was the leading scorer. He cracked 20 again. Um, I felt like he was settling a lot. Those bench units are tough. There's some reasons why maybe it wasn't working out, but I'm curious what you've been seeing from him when he's been struggling, when he hasn't been able to kind of impose himself on the games the same way. Because I still feel like the most important thing that the Raptors are going to need this season, outside of like picking the direction or whatever return might come on some trades or contracts that might happen, is the development of this guy and to see him be more of the the dude that we thought we were getting in the first, you know, five games. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... um... You know he's still short. Like it depends how you're, how what you what you're looking for, right? And if what you're looking for is him to be a guy who carries offense, who can score in big in big numbers over and over again. Like he's still lacking, um, you know, the attributes that you know the people who do that have. You know, and and you know, an obvious comparison is is Pascal Siakam, and there's a lot that uh, you know you wish Siakam would have in relation to what Barnes does. But what he does have is a handful of very reliable ways to put the ball in the basket. And, um, you know, it's not always the most exciting. It's not always, you know, um, 
you know, he's not doing it the way Kevin Durant does it, but he understands if there's a couple of different spots he can get to, mm-hmm. when and who he can get to them against. And most of the time, he's able to do it. And uh, even in the context of, of, you know, a different approach offensively this year, whereas, you know, Scotty doesn't really have that. Like, he's still not a guy who is going to go face up and break you down off the dribble. Um, you know, I think he's he's... Teams do dare him to shoot, even though he's shooting much better this year. Mm-hmm. And then I think, um, you know, and on top of that, like he, you know, he's kind of burdened in a way, and that, and that he's he's there's so many things he's pretty good at that I think if you're going to be a guy who really carries a team offensively, sometimes you're better off just kind of kind of drilling down and, and kind of focusing on a handful of on a handful of things. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do a lot of things, including scoring. So I think that's there's still part of his game where he's he's kind of trying to kind of for lack of a better word try to edit all 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 of that, um, and then a big piece is is just what we were talking about off the top is is just his ability to bring energy, uh, game to game, and throughout the game. And um, sometimes I wonder if that's a little bit of personality in that he's you know I don't think he's always as excited to play as, as uh, you know, like there's still that element of the NBA grind and he's still young and, and yeah, it's sometimes it's not fun to play basketball. Right. And, um, uh, and, and that kind of shows up at times. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's other occasions where, you know, as we were discussing earlier, like all of a sudden, yeah, no, he's, he's completely engaged. He's, he's, and, and he's a monster. So, I think it's just a little bit of a little bit of everything at, at the moment. Yeah, I definitely think that he owns uh, a big part of that. To me, uh, the more he settles for the mid-range shots that teams give him, and I get it. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Drive to the basket every single time? Nobody's that much of a freak of nature to just be able to handle that. Like, I don't expect him to ever become Kevin Durant, where he's just pulling up over top of people and off the dribble and just nasty. But what I do think is special about him is that, yeah, when he makes up his mind to get to the paint. And when he gets two feet in there, I'm like, oh, he's going to score every time. Or he's going to create havoc enough that someone else is going to get a putback, right? Because he demands so much attention. But yeah, a little bit too much settling. Definitely some stuff with the energy that is not the, and the engagement that is not perfect. But I think the the big question for me, and it's the one that continues, like I don't want to have a referendum on the group every single time, but the one that I'm curious to get your standpoint on is, so the game starts yesterday, and Siakam is amazing, right? He's just taking over, he's scoring at will, he's playing with a ton of jump, he's awesome, he's awesome. And then Siakam, like they try to stagger the two of them, they, they give you the Scotty plus the bench, and I feel like sometimes Barnes is stuck between, either he's playing with Siakam, who needs to kind of get his a lot, and the two of them don't really play off of each other extremely well. He's not playing with guards that suit him a ton. And then he plays with these bench units that are really bereft of talent. And it just, it really never feels like we get to see the, a group around Scotty Barnes that feels like it fits Scotty Barnes. Oh, hundred percent. Um, you know, and, and, um, I do, I push back a little bit on, on the fit between Siakam and Barnes just because, um, that's not their fault. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, like sure. they're both really good. They yeah. both have a lot to offer, and 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 the fact that some of their skills overlap, I mean, who cares? You know, the 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 smart thing to do is to find more players that fit with them, so to speak, right? Like, I mean, uh, if we were talking about Orlando, sure, do Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner? They kind of overlap in some ways. Well, yeah, yeah I guess. 
It's a great point. But, okay, so go find some other players who fit them. You know, find, find some guys who can shoot. Find a point guard that can shoot. Find a center that can play outside of 12 feet from the basket. Like, find the most I'm competitive saying, guard in the NBA who plays incredible defense is just a winner, winner, winner. Sure, that too. And, um, yeah, so, so uh, you know, easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. But, um, but I mean, that, that the fact that there are, it's not a perfect, fit between those two guys there's ways to work around that the solution doesn't always have to be well one of them's got to go um and in terms of of uh you know the fact that they i think they do play off each other okay like like i don't see any problem like certainly in transition and stuff they look for each other they make nice plays with each other so I, i don't think it's anything like that um but i do think i agree that at times it's hard for them to both get to the parts of the floor in you know, possession after possession, that suits their strengths yeah. the best. But that's true a lot of times, and, and that's, you know, you'll see that commonly, right? Like, I mean, so, I, I you know, one guy will have a great first quarter, another guy will pick it up in the third quarter, and then, you know, it kind of goes from there. But but uh, really, I think so many times when we talk about the two of them, it's really more about the fact that each of them, um, and to your question, Barnes, in this case, each of them are often in lineups that don't maximize their abilities. And so if you had, you know, and then if you had Scotty Barnes playing in a lineup with, you know, a four outside lineup, yeah. good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I would love to see it. Similarly, I think if Pascal Siakam was playing in a lineup that was four out, even three out, um, Wow, I mean, you know, these are very difficult cover one on one. So uh, that's that's just the roster construction issue here. Um, I think there is a little. It was you know, Darko has made a couple of comments the last couple of games, just about um, Barnes's package of skills, and like last night he was talking about his finishing package and kind of he's reciting Giannis, right? Where there's a guy, you know, his whole career, especially since he became Superman. Uh, teams have been building a wall against him, daring him to get to the basket. You know, just and and he, year by year, incrementally, incrementally. Now he's got you know, obviously some physical abilities that you know no one else in the world has. But um, he has. You know, you think of that spin movie can make you tighten traffic. You think of those euro steps he can make. The fact that he can finish left and right. Um, you know, he's figured out ways to still get to the spots in the floor. He's the mo- where he's so devastating, despite. Um, you know, entire defenses concocted to make that difficult. And so I think, you know, Darko was making the point that, you know, there is a little bit of, of, of Giannis in, in Barnes. Like, I agree. Like they're not, they're not, again, I'm, I'm you know, have some perspective. Like he's not the same, but man, that guy's a physical monster. He is very, very strong. He, you know, he's got giant mitts. Like, he's got a lot of abilities to do a lot of similar things. He's as close, maybe, to Giannis as almost anyone else in the league. And so he's got to work on, you know, different ways to counteract what defense is trying to do to him so he can get to the spots where he's most effective on the floor. Yeah, totally agree. And and it's like, it's part of the reason why I still remain frustrated with the Pirtle trade is, Guy's a good player. He's got this incredible field goal percentage this year. They clearly needed to have a big, but it's like they used assets to go and get this guy. And now when you have those three on the floor together and they all need to occupy that same space and you still don't have that spacing, it's just like it makes it incrementally more difficult 
for these guys to all look like they fit together. And so, yeah, uh, I agree. Redundancy, I think we can look at the redundancy of skill set and say, ah, damn, these two guys don't fit together. And in reality, it's like, yeah, if they actually had better pieces around them, there really could be some formula here that makes sense. Um, It's just, it's hard for me to envision how they're going to get those other pieces in time to fit around those guys properly. And one of them was supposed to be their first round pick, right? Not that he was supposed to be like this incredible, incredible piece, but I think a lot of us thought Grady Dick was going to have an impact on this, this team this year. Like he was a lottery pick. It's the way that works in the NBA and the shooting has been dreadful. Like they have to send him down to the G league. He starts poorly there. I'm just curious what you've heard about like the mechanical shifts, because there was this big tweet from Sam Decker that goes viral about, Hey, who messed with Grady Dick's shot? And then Blake writes an article and they said they've tweaked it kind of slightly uh, a little bit. I think it was his uh, shot on the move. I should remember this. Blake wrote it. Go look at Blake's piece to outline it. But yeah, what have you heard about the the tinkering to Grady Dick's shot and how much of that is what we're seeing right now with the struggles? You know, I asked uh, someone specifically about that, uh, you know, and, and the feedback I got was Sam Decker was projecting <laughs> because, uh, you know, he got – he had some problems shooting at an NBA level coming out of college and people tried to fix it and it got worse. And, you know, he's, he's in Europe, <laughs> you know? So, so I think he's, he's kind of, uh, I don't think Sam Decker has been studying Grady Dick's uh, shooting mechanics. I think he was just sort of kind of imputing something, but um, you know, and then yeah, Blake wrote a good piece about it. I think one of the points, uh, he made in that was the need to, you know, when he's shooting on the move and gathering <clears throat> or on the move, gathering to shoot, you know, he needs to have a little bit of a wider base. And I've noticed that too. He's, he kind of, you know, when he's, you know, the speed these guys are coming around on, uh, you know, off pin downs and stuff like that. It's you're not jogging into those catches. Like it's a sprint and it takes a lot of uh, strength and technique to kind of be able to rise up. Um, from a, a 20, you know, a 23, 24 feet and get square and shoot. And so I think there's been, you know, an effort to make sure he's a, he's a little wider with his base. And there's, there's some talk a little bit about, you know, how his ball sits in the, how the ball sits in his hands, getting a little bit more on the palm, a little less on the palm, more on the fingers, if I got it correct. But, but again, these are minor tweaks. And I don't think, you know, the, the stuff about him having a wider base, like that's so basic. And I think Grady's comment was even, yeah, that's just a reminder. Like, that's just stuff that my mom taught me, you know. And his mom, by the way, was, a, you know, a professional player and one of the greatest college players in the history of the University of Iowa. So it's a, not a bad source. Um, anyway, so, so yeah, I think the mechanical stuff is way overbaked. Uh, I was talking to Grady about it last night, and, and uh, you know, he was saying, you know, the point we were kind of chatting about was, was yes, he's had slumps before, um, but he's every time he's ever had a slump, like he would last like a quarter or a half or, you know, that, because, you know, he's going to be playing the entire half or the entire quarter. And, you know, they would come and go so quickly, you barely knew you had them. But here you are playing at, you know, five times the level he's ever played at. And, you know, all of a sudden it's, you know, he's never come off the bench in his life. And all of a sudden it's like, uh, here's five minutes in the second quarter, you know, go do your thing. And, uh, you know, you, that's, that's the only exposure he's had. And sure. You'd like to see in the G league that it would all kind of unfold smoothly, but, um, long way of saying you make a great point. Um, I think 
I am personally not that worried about Grady Dick. I, I think, you know, you could look at the other stuff that I think is going right. And, you know, I think there's a ton of talent there. I think he's got a really, you know, I think he's a really smart guy. I think he's got a really high basketball IQ. I think he's got a good, you know, all the, I just don't think, see this spiraling into something that can't be recovered. I think he'll be fine. Um, and he, and, and, but to the greater point there is when we talk about, uh, roster overlap and, um, you know, pieces don't fit and all these other things. I think the real issue is this team has not done enough to build talent, uh, from, you know, either through the draft, free agency, anything like that for now going on about four years. And so <clears throat> any of the pieces that they have that we would identify as core and I'm in their starting say the top six or seven players, all of them are really good NBA players and should and could be part of a really good team. All of them. You know, Jakob Pertl, but but I mean I would go back to, you know, the eighteen nineteen team or even the seventeen eighteen team, you know, Jakob Pertl was on those teams. Well the other two centers were Jonas Valentinus and Serge Ibaka, right? Like like you had three guys, you know, uh you weren't bringing you weren't hoping that Precious Achua turned into something. You already had Serge Ibaka. You already had Jonas Valentinus. Like I mean that's what's missing is, is um, you talk, you know, Dennis Schroeder is, is a really good NBA point guard. Is he a elite starting point guard? Probably not. You know, like he's probably somewhere in the kind of 20 to 30 range for the position, mm-hmm. maybe a little below that, depending on your taste, but, but you hundred percent want him on your team. You know, he's been on great teams, but the real story is you need another point guard. Who's really good. And like Malachi Flynn is, you know, like I'm a fan of him as a person. I think he's actually made some really nice strides this year. But, yeah. you know, that guy in a different Raptor era was Fred Van Vliet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was a guy who was, came out of nowhere and became an all-star. Um, and we can kind of keep going on down this list. It's, it's, it's really, to me, is not so much the problem that the Raptors, or the players the Raptors have. Mm. It's the players they don't have. And the fact they, you know, that they fail to either kind of find, sign, or draft. And um, that's now been an ongoing problem for three or four years for various reasons. And, um, you know, and so you're kind of left looking at this core where I go, Jananobi is, that's a, he's a, that guy could be a starter on any team in the league. Mm -hmm. He could, he could, I think the only team he doesn't start for is probably the Boston Celtics. And I'm not a hundred percent convinced of that. So, you know, yeah, you, you need to keep a guy like that. Um, Scotty Barnes, you kind of go down this list, and yeah, every one of them has a role on an excellent team. What's missing is the depth behind them, and maybe the crowning sort of superstar on top of them. And the, that they don't have it is really the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the problem. That's the concern. And you know, you got to have a depth of talent. Your talent doesn't get any better if you lose OG Ananobi, who you just said starts on every team but one for <clears> nothing. Um, Michael Scotto reports yesterday, quote, the Raptors are concerned about a potential, uh, about the potential for teams who could give OG Ananobi a shorter term max contract due to the weak free agent market, end quote. So I, I think he's insinuating there what happened with Fred Van Vliet, right? And obviously they would have way deeper trade market for OG Ananobi, but yeah, what's your, what's your read on this? Because I, I do feel like this is only going to pick up steam as we go ahead the next few weeks. Yeah. No, we're definitely entering into that uh, phase. You know, uh, December 15th is usually when the trade season kind of unofficially mm-hmm. kicks off. And, um, 
the look. I mean, you know, I, I don't have in front of me the teams that would have the cap space or would be able to get the max cap space. Uh, one of them, for example, is the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. And look, it, any team that has them that that has the space that wants to win will be trying to sign their OG and OB. Like, if not, well, what are you doing? Like, why are you trying? And so, you know, and so the Raptors to keep him will probably need to go longer and more. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe if you get a, you do get into a situation where somebody wants to throw, you know, two years max and an option at, at like they did Houston do it from that leap. And but I mean, I don't even think in some ways I don't even think it's it's the same conversation because I think the Raptors will give all the contract term they can. To OG and Obi, and will you know? Are they going to give him the max? I don't know, but they would they try to give him? You know, they're going to try and give him enough that unless someone actually does go max, he uh, you know he he'd want to stay. So I think that's 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 how that's going to go. And um, you know, and the only reason that it wouldn't go like that is if you know they decide that trying to build an ad around this core is just going to be too difficult. And then they got to go and make changes and, you know, we get into all the, you know, the stuff around the trade deadline, which we're so used to, but yeah, I mean, I mean, should they be concerned that that, that O'Jan Obi is going to get poached in free agency? Absolutely. They should be concerned. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't you be? Yeah. No, I just it, it, like the Fred thing was one thing, right? Because the trade offers weren't really there. And yeah, I was like, it's first. I, like, I've always been a believer of they should have held it earlier, but I get why they didn't. Um, they let it run in the season; it didn't work out. I think they deserve some criticism, but when you look back on it, it's like, yeah, how different would this team be with what the Clippers offered? And yeah, it just seemed like okay, this is what was given to him by Houston, and then you replaced him with Schroeder, who's been very good. And say it's like, all right, that one doesn't feel like completely overly detrimental to the face or to the franchise. But yeah, you lose OG for nothing. Um, he walks to use oh, OG for for nothing, like yeah. literally for nothing. You know, at that point, it's like that's that's organizational malfeasance. That's like, that's I what mean, I'm saying. You know, you can't. It, like it's impossible that's going to happen. Like it's just impossible. All right, that's um, hey, that, because that's if it comforting. does, if it does, you know, people would. I don't want to say we'd need to get fired. Like it's not my place to tell people. But I mean, it 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 would be the kind of thing that people lose jobs over. Like, yeah. So, and, and like, the, like, you know, there's a, there's a reason I think the management or, or he, group here doesn't, doesn't commonly kind of come under fire. Right. And that's because, you know, they have like nine years of positive equity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like we've all, we can all cite off the top of our heads, all the moves they made that just were single, 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 double home run, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't think they any of them have got any any you know or stupider or it's all the same people it's all the same decision makers you know so the the I think a fair way to look at it is you know it's kind of like you're playing poker you're playing you know any uh, not eventually you kind of go through a lull and then a couple of poor decisions or unlucky decisions kind of add up but doesn't mean your next decision is going to be a bad one, but um, but that one, <laughs> you know, that that's the one you wouldn't be able to defend. You just no. be like, okay, no, that's a screw up, no. and uh, and then and then all the previous things that were, you know, you and I could question become not 
innocent mistakes or understandable errors, they become a pattern and uh, you got a problem. Yeah. The only thing I would say is they, I don't think they expected to lose Fred, right? They like, they clearly misread the ability of Houston to, to grab this player for the market, to grab that player. And, 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 and it's still, and it's still, <clears throat> you know, there's still an argument that they didn't want to sign Fred, like, yeah, like I don't think they did, fine. but they wanted him on a certain term, yeah. a certain length and all totally. that. And I think it, we would all understand why. Yeah. Right. And, and it's not like Houston went and threw five years at the guy or four years at the guy. No, you know, they went two years in a team option. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, as I said, but, but OG is a different category. Yeah. You cannot screw that one up. Yeah. No, I just, I, I would look at this and say, when I'm reading that report of, Hey, they're concerned about that short term contract. It's like, that would tell me, all right, there's what well, we all know that everybody would love to have OG and OB because we know what, um, type of offers team would have when it comes to just trading draft picks. And so to me, it's just, Hey, you, you cannot, like you said, you cannot misread this one, but I, I almost feel like, yeah, you have to absolutely know what it's going to take to get it done and whether or not it is going to get done because you can't be surprised on, on this one. Like this is either a, you get a haul back in a trade that they said was going to be there from, you know, year over year over year or whatever Masai said last year at the, the deadline where it was the offers we got now or the offers we're going to be able to have moving forward. You're either going to have to make that decision, a, a tough one, because nobody wants to lose OG Ananobi because of, he's a perfect fit like with any team, right? Starts on any team, awesome player. How could you doubt that at this point? But yeah, you're right. Just losing him, I, I, I don't know how the fran- – that just puts this franchise in a totally different category in terms of the way that you're hoping and projecting out the next few seasons, especially, yeah, they could be – like imagine not having a pick this year, losing OG Ananobi and having to give – Yeah, you know, no, I mean, you're, you're – it would be – it'd be nearly unprecedented, to be honest. Yeah. Like you try to think of an example where, you know, a team both loses – yeah, like you're – Anyway, I mean, yeah, it's, it, but you're right. I mean, I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be incumbent that, that they really understand what and how they're going to proceed on that. And, um, you know, because, and it's not easy because you, you kind of, just as we were saying, like there's a lot of good players here. And if you're to go and sign them all, right. Um, you're going to go sign Pascal Siakam and you sign OG Ananobi and you add it to what you already have, all of which were each contract, each one of those contracts would make sense in isolation, but you end up with like a $200 million payroll for a team that's probably going to win 40, 41 games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that doesn't make sense either. No. Um, and so, you know, and I think that's why, you know, it always ends up circling back to, they're going to have to make a trade and they're going to have to, and, you know, I, I have always thought that they're going to need to rebuild. And I think the reason they need to rebuild is because they just don't have a way to thread the needle between mm-hmm. making a move that kind of adds the top end talent that they need and would justify the expense and investment and also being able to have enough, enough depth to support the elite core you have. And, um, you know, I just, I, I just find it like, I just, I've thought about it forever and ever a hundred times. And I just don't see how you can do both. And, um, you know, we'll see. Um, I appreciate your time today before you go. Do you, do you want to say how much you believe Otani is going to come here? Do you have a percentage? <laughs> like zero? I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm a, like, I mean, it's, I haven't really followed yeah. it all that closely, but yeah. what just 
just what is what are the expectations? Like, so I heard it was something like, like Vegas has them as like the Jays are the favorite or something. No, 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 no. They're they're they, but they're in the mix. Is that basically the consensus seems to be this? Is that there's a a shrinking amount of teams that are in on Shohei Otani. That mm-hmm. it, but between who you believe, it's between three and five teams actually still have a shot, um, and that he's getting closer to making a decision, and that Toronto is still in it. Like he's clearly come here. He's very tight with Yusei Kikuchi. Um, that the big story to me is that, you know, the ownership has clearly opened up the pocketbooks and said, if you're going to come here, it's going to be for like, we, we know the cost. Like they're, they're very much in it. What are we talking about? Half half a bill, half a bill, half a bill. Yeah. Half a bill. Yeah. Um, so like there's some, there's some positive indicators, but it's just like, yeah, still the likelihood he comes here is low. Some, some people put it as like five to 10%, which I think is like uh, unbelievably high, way better than zero. Cause I was with you. I was in the zero. So yeah, so, I don't know, just like a little grown optimism, but yeah, that's good. That's I, I appreciate a guy like you coming on a realist, you know, just a zero. <laughs> 500 million American. Yeah. So 750. Yeah. Canadian. I don't like thinking about that. It makes me depressed. Like I was watching an episode yeah. of Sopranos yesterday before the Raptors game started and, uh, like, anyway, there's a scene where somebody gets paid off. I think it's 75 grand. It's American. And I was thinking about what year that was and how much that would be to me now and Canadian. And it just made me pissed off. And I just wanted to turn the TV off. I was like, I don't like this. I, I, uh, I don't really think about what players make anymore. Yeah. Like, I just I sort of stopped. it's fake. It's fantasy. Once, it's like, what do they do? I yeah. Do remember, I do remember Antonio Davis when he signed at the time, which is just a giant deal. I think it was five years, $65 million. But at the time, the Canadian dollar was like trading at like sixty cents. Yeah. So it was a hundred million uh, Canadian guaranteed, so yeah. twenty million a year. Yeah. And I was thinking, I, I, I literally remember waiting to interview him once, and I'm going, I think he probably is going to make more this year than Larry Tannenbaum. Wow. <laughs> which I think this is, you know, obviously like, oh, yeah. yeah, which probably could have been true. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. He must have hated doing that math, though. He was like, ah, <laughs> stupid country having yeah. to do the math. Just furious. Yeah. He couldn't yeah. wait to get out of here. Uh, Grange, thanks as always, buddy. All right, bro. Take, Take care. care. Uh, Michael Grange, senior writer and reporter for Sportsnet. And that's just it, okay? Like, that report that Scotto has, and, and that's a guy who's pretty tapped in. Well, like, I don't doubt the validity of the sport, but here's what I'd say, uh, the report. Raptors better be concerned about teams coming over the top. Like, they should be treating this like one of the most serious things ever. <laughs> but to me, this is it. It's like, you know, when Grange says it's unprecedented, I go, well, what about Chris Bosch? Like, you can't have the Chris Bosch thing. This, this, this team, the Toronto Raptors, cannot afford to lose top-tier talent without getting returns. And especially given the state of where the franchise is at right now, this is not the Maple Leafs doing own rentals here, right? Where you go, all right, it's hockey, it's capped out league, and you got the future of your organization, which obviously didn't work out the way that we all thought it would at this point with one playoff win. But at the time it was, dude, keep these awesome players around the young guys, try to compete, try to show them what the playoffs looks like. And hey, if you lose, uh, you know, a second line winger, you'll be able to get another one. You'll go out in free agency and you'll sign somebody or you'll try to, you got all your draft picks. You got a loaded up Marley's like you are stack, stack, stack. You can afford to lose somebody for quote unquote, nothing that Raptors are in the exact opposite situation of that, where it's like, they clearly have a player that they need to build around in Scotty Barnes. I'm with Grange on the, 
the Grady Dick thing where I'm I'm not overly concerned about it. I really liked him coming out of college, but it's not a zero for me at this point. Like I'd like to see something. I'd like to see him go down to the G League and work his way out of the slump. Like <laughs> before I feel good. Um, they don't own their first round pick this year. They got a bunch of players that you know that they're they're good players, but they don't really fit overly well together. And the thing that really pisses me off with the Raps right now is you know they beat the Suns last night, and everyone's like, "Damn, awesome, awesome, awesome!" Like the broadcast is calling it a signature win and all this different stuff. And I'm like, "Okay, this is a good win. This is a good win." They beat the Suns. They beat Kevin Durant. But also, like, again, they beat... Did you look at all the rest of the players on the Suns? Like, the Suns... It was their last game of a long road trip, too. The Suns have eight... How many, like, true bona fide NBA dudes do they have where it's like they would be playing... Like, let's say uh, Boston was going... All right, Celtics decide they want pieces on Phoenix... How many guys outside of the three would they eat, like be able to get onto the floor in Boston? I don't know. Maybe Nurkic. Who who else? Goodwin? Bates Diop? Who? Who? Who are the guys? How many Suns players, for those of you watching the game last night, and I'm talking about educated basketball fans who who watch the league. How many of the players, when they first came in, were you going, who is that guy? And then they say, oh, they're like, oh, you're right. That's that guy. Okay, right. I forgot about him. And I've watched Suns games this year. Anyway, um, the, the point of this, though, what really pisses me off is the Raptors win this game. And you go, yeah, they're supposed to win home games against teams that are missing a star player. And one of them plays extremely poorly and are built like that. They don't have their first round pick this year. The, the goal that, of the season when you do that is that you're going to be a winning team. And so it's like, congrats. You're now what? They're game below 500? I think so. Anyway, the goal is not to just be a below 500 team that gets the odd scrappy win. It's supposed to be that you're actually like winning these basketball games and inspiring some confidence that you would be a tough out in the playoffs. I think that would be the ultimate goal of not having your first round pick this year, that you're building towards something and that you're a really tough out. You're the team that nobody wants to play in the first round because you play great defense and you're tough and you got multiple options that can score late in games. And the fan base feels a little good about that. So far, flashes of it, uh, they're still a losing record team. And they've got all these pending decisions we made. So yeah, of course, these are going to be the conversation. But yeah, I see a report like that. And it's like, yeah, Raptors better be taking this seriously because they don't have a lot to pull from. Anyway, uh, let's take a quick break and hit what we missed. Can't wait to see some of the angry replies when we put out the his signing Shohei Tani. Basically a championship for Toronto. Oh, there's going to be some harumphs and hurrahs. Oh, harumph hurrah. <laughs> People are going to be pissed at that question. Unnecessarily so. Even though, yeah, it's right below. I'm telling you. Imagine what it'd be like if you were out at a bar. I'm just saying, like, how different? Say, so you're out at a bar, Leafs score in overtime in a big game. Like, remember, uh, I'm trying to think about big Leafs moments. Let's say the Capitals going back, because last year I just can't. When they beat the Caps, first case, Kasperi Kapanen, Boyle from behind the net, pops it, Kapanen scores, Leafs win overtime. The feeling of that being in a bar, right? Just, Yes! Yes. Actually, the big one for me that I remember being in a bar too was uh, that year was when they clinched the playoffs with the beating the Penguins. And I think it was, was it McElhaney in that, that year? Yeah, I think it was McElhaney. Can't remember. Whoever the backup was, was in at that game and made a huge save on Jake Gensel. Cross crease, robbed Jake Gensel. 
had a wide open net, glove save, awesome. Bar goes nuts. Leafs clinch a playoff spot. People are thrilled. Now imagine being in a sports bar, you know, 11, or it's 10 o'clock, you've had a couple of drinks, you've been watching it, and then all of a sudden, breaking news, like, Toronto Blue Jays have signed Shohei Otani. You think you're feeling, and that feeling in a sports bar would be any different from those moments? No. In fact, it would probably be even more joyous, right, than those wins. So it's above that. It's above playoff win, right? It's right there. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, um, the other time I remember celebrating where I went, oh, my God, I'm so excited. It's when the NHL announced that the All-Star Game was coming to Toronto. The 2024 Rogers NHL All-Star Game will be expanded to a three-on-three event with NHL All-Star Thursday at Scotiabank Arena featuring the Tim Hortons NHL All-Star Player Draft, the NHL Alumni Man of the Year honoring the 1967 Leafs, and the Canadian Tire PWHL 3-on-3 Showcase. Tickets to the NHL All-Star Game go on sale Tuesday, December 5th at 10 a.m. That's a really confusing read because this is Thursday right before Tuesday. I'm almost awake. Wait, what's happening here? It's, but they go on sale on Tuesday, December 5th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. On Ticketmaster. Where else? Where else? You can catch all the action, including the Rogers NHL All-Star Game, here on Sportsnet. All right. What did we miss? This past Sunday, Scott Hansen, the host of Red Zone, oh, yeah. NFL Red Zone, as we all tap into on the Sundays. Uh-huh. He was signing off the broadcast and uh, the fire alarm started going off. So we have Scott on the show tomorrow, JB. Yeah, we do. So I was just wondering if... Uh, yeah, it's a good Scott plug. This is a good Scott plug. Yeah. What's the biggest distraction you've had during a, during a show or signing Your horrible out? takes. You, you... Me? Your horrible takes. You messing up the audio. You and Nick <laughs> playing stuff in the background as I'm trying to do a rant. Have you guys time. buzzing. You guys doing stuff behind the glass where you're moving and shaking and doing... No. Uh, I've had, we've had fire alarms, too. We have mm-hmm. fire alarms. Listen, not to... Big up Scott here, but yeah, like we've had it multiple times. Like his first time for him, he's had like a 20-year broadcast career and he's only had one fire alarm. I was like, come on, deal with it. Uh, Maybe we're just a little bit more prepared and safe here in this country. We're more ready for our fires. We have more drills. Hey, (laughs) drill it down. Let's get it down. There's something about a fire uh, alarm, something about a fire drill where it doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be in a suit. You could be some big fancy suit here in the Rogers building. And you go out for the fire alarm and you're just a kid again. You're a kid in elementary school again, standing outside in the cold, like waiting, getting in the line. I, I don't know, you know. At least throw the balls off the roof. No, so, you're there. just, you're a child again. <laughs> you're being told what to do. You're falling in line. You're a child. And what was it in, in school? You had to get, you had like a group. You had your class, you had to get in line and then they took attendance. I don't think they take attendance at the office buildings. They should mix that in, right? They don't take attendance. Well, like, you know, they know when we tap in, so... No, yeah, they know. <laughs> My point is, is that they would go like, who's left inside? I don't think that there's a machine that's like someone tapped in and has not tapped out. Yeah. Th- anyway, I'm excited to have Scott tomorrow. I really am. I got. I, I'm so glad. So we're taping him. We're not. Uh, we're not doing it live because it's Scott Hansen. All right. So we're we're adjusting our schedules for Scott. But I'm actually so happy that I can't. That none of this is going to be a discussion about the Seahawks. Because the Seahawks, they play tonight. Mm-hmm. And so the rule of the tape is that you don't involve the result of tonight. Like, how could I? I can't see the future. 
Except for I can. I'm going to post my picks for tonight's game on uh, on the social. So at JD Bunkus on Twitter and Instagram. But dude, I uh, I I I don't like the Cowboys. The Niners are the worst. The Niners are scum of the earth. They're fans. I think it's a real sign of your character if you cheer for that team and that you have none. Um, but after that, it's Cowboys. So to have two weeks in a row where the Seahawks have to get pummeled by the Niners and then there's going to be a, a primetime game, a standalone game, where the whole world is going to talk about Dak Prescott MVP and what's wrong with the Seahawks. I'll tell you what's wrong with the Seahawks. they got a defensive coach that can't build a good defense year over year. It's like five years in a row where they've had a sub or subpar defense. <sighs> uh, yeah, it's a nightmare. And I'm going to watch this game tonight. The only saving grace for me is that my Cowboys friends are so beaten down by the team that they are at this point and having had their hopes up because they did the same thing as every tortured fan base is like when they had the Dak and Zeke combo that year, when those two guys are on the rookie deal and they had the offensive line, they, they believed they believed and they went into, you know what? We might be good. And so there's a lot of Cowboys fans here that I know that are also Leaf fans, right? That are also Blue Jays fans that, that are, that they're, they're fans of tortured fan franchises, right? So you add the Cowboys layer on top of that. And it's probably less bravado than the Cowboys fans in the States who don't give a crap. And they're like, this is America's team. All right. And that's all that matters. It's America's team here. It's a little bit more reserved. So they're a little beaten down, and they know that I will just eventually come back with chirps if they get eliminated from the postseason this year. But, like, my true belief is that the Cowboys are straight up better than they have been in years past. The Cowboys are better than they've been since that first year. Is that saying much? It's not saying too much, but, you know, I was thinking about them last night, how if you're a Cowboys fan... You actually want the Eagles to get the one seed. Like you want the Cowboys to finish first in the NFC. Sorry, the Eagles to finish first in the NFC because that you have a way better shot at beating the Eagles than you do the Niners. Like the Niners are your daddy. There's just no doubt. And, and I cannot, I think that the Cowboys are better than the years past, that they're a really good football team. It's not their fault. They blow it a bunch of bad teams and the schedule is the schedule. And there's not a ton of great teams in the NFL that they can beat. Like, again, there's how many really good teams in the NFL, four or five um, Cowboys beat the crap out of bad teams. That's usually the measure of a good group. I do think Dak Prescott should absolutely be in the MVP conversation. I think that CD lamb has, has been underrated. I think that their defense is awesome. They fly around. They can get to the quarterback. They put a ton of pressure, especially on bad teams. You fall behind the Cowboys. It's tough to see you coming back. I think they could beat the Eagles. They, they should have beaten the Eagles. They are Dak Prescott stepping out of bounds away from beating the Eagles, but they're not beating the Niners. And so, yeah, I think they got to keep racking up these wins. It's going to be different for them. But yeah, today is, I'm glad there's a Leafs game, you know, I'm just glad just Leafs talk. Listen, after the game, Leafs talk, Leafs talk, Leafs talk. Don't be watching the Niners Cowboys beat down. There's no point in watching that. Just watch Leafs talk right after the game with Sam McKee and I, and then what, listen tomorrow for Scott Hansen who I'm about to do just an incredible interview with. Boy, I tell you what, that's, uh, that's tomorrow. See you then. Thanks for listening.